Good morning, church. God speaks to us in his word in Romans 12, 1 through 21. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another." Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Abby. Hey, welcome. My name is Zach. I get to serve as the Director of Operations for our Shawnee campus. So glad that you joined us on this holiday weekend. It's great to see so many smiling faces out there. Hey, as it's been said already, this is a family Sunday. We do four or five of these a year. I mean, and it's such a blessing to have uh, kids with us up here in the sermon. And I wanna talk to parents really directly for just a second. Being parent myself, I know how much anxiety it produces whenever you have your kids sitting next to you in a service like that. And let me tell you, the, the person who is gonna feel the worst about your kids making a little bit of noise or wandering around or causing a ruckus, really the only person that's gonna bother at all is you, <laughs> all right? And so I just wanna release you from uh, any expectation that you have, and man, we love to have kids up here with us in the service. I firmly believe that the sound of a church without crying children is the sound of a dying church. And so we're really intentional and purposeful about creating these times for kids to join us in worship, all right? So if you are a parent in the room and you're feeling that, I just ask you, please, please uh, join with us, let go of that thing, and let's be a family together and engage in this message, all right? Can we do that? Can we agree to do that? Cool. All right, we are near the end of a, a standalone series of sermons. We just finished 1 Corinthians, and we're in, we were in 1 Corinthians for about a year, 
uh, to preach through that book, and, and we're going to be going into Genesis in a couple of weeks. As I, Ivy told you, we're going to be doing a counterformation series on identity next week. But the last few weeks, uh, we've kind of had this theme or uh, this golden thread that has run through everything that's come from the pulpit. You know, Pat taught us on what it means to be spiritual mothers and fathers. Ben taught out of Jonah last week on our call to the church. And this week, I want to focus on what it means for us in the church to love and honor one another. And so whenever you hear me say one another's today, that means the people that are here. That means the people that are in your life could be inside the church, could be outside the church. But that's what we're going to really hone in today. And, and let me say right off the bat, thank you for standing and hanging through all that text. I know it was a lot of text. And if we were going to preach through all of that, we would be here for approximately 16 hours. We're not going to do that today. I'm going to try to get you to the buffet before the Methodist across the street, okay? We'll, we'll, we'll get out here. And we're not going to cover all of it, but I do really feel it's important for us to hear that entire chapter because it's relevant to what we're chopping up today. Everything that's included, most of everything that's included in that chapter is how we respond to each other's as bearers of the image of God, right? And so um, we're tackling the call of what does it mean to be a one another, to love one another, to honor one another, and uh, really what that looks like from a biblical point of view. And... Um, you know, I'll be really honest with you, this sermon was hard for me to write. Normally, I'm a guy who gets it out really, really quick, and that's not because of the text. The text is, man, it's beloved. Like, if you've been in church any amount of time at all, you have heard Romans 12. And it's not because I don't try to model this in my own life, because this is something that I reflect on daily and, and kind of, like, keep a personal scorecard even of, of how I'm striving to practice. And it's not because it's something that's hard to grasp or imagine because most of us would agree that if we could apply these principles to our life, not only would the big C church better, but society as a whole would be a whole lot better if we could practice loving and honoring other people in our lives. It was hard because at a core level, it's something that most folks, Christian or not, would agree is a good thing. Right? They would agree it's, this is a good thing. And because of that, it's become a little distorted. And it creeps into our life in, in varying different ways. There are countless self-help books and hot takes on some of the more quotable pieces that we see in Romans 12. And the thing that I discovered when studying for this week is that many of them leave out the most important aspect of this train of thought and most of these takes still center on everybody's favorite radio station, WIIFM. You ever heard that? What's in it for me? And we are tuned into that radio station all the time. We're more focused on loving one another to get what we want. Influence, status, outcomes, promotions. And it's like we have this mentality where we have this relationship bank where we put time and energy and effort hoping that one day all of the effort will compound and we can pull it out and use it for our own gain. And I'm guilty of that. One of the examples, a practical example of this is I had a long career in business and one of the books that was recommended to me time and time again and is kind of the gold standard for how you treat people is Dale Carnegie's How to Influence People and Win Friends or How to Win Friends and Influence People. And that's, that's not a bad book, it's a great book. 
um, built on really great principles, but at the very end of the book, the motive becomes clear. And that is the primary aim of that book is to teach people how to get the most production out of those who are on their team. And so we're gonna give you this skill set, we're gonna give you these principles, and it's not because of the person in itself, but it's because if you treat them this way, they will be able to provide more labor, produce more, and at the end of the day, uh, make more money and allow you to be more self-serving. Instead, the challenge today is what would it look like if we loved each other as Christ loved the church? What if we abandon our concept of, of self and instead, forsaking ourselves, we truly embrace the concept of showing affection and outdoing one another in showing honor? It's the one thing that the Bible tells us to compete in. Outdo one another in showing honor. And I'll be honest, again, I had to do a little bit of printing in my own heart to stand up here on the stage this morning, and that's my prayer for all of us. So would you pray as we kick this thing off with me? You pray for me, I will pray for you. God, we thank you for this word that is put before us. Um, we ask that we could be a people who love deeply and give honor without expecting anything back and know that the source of that and the only way that we can do that is because you loved us first. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, when we look at the top of this thing, what, what God is asking us to do, the very first two verses in this chapter become really critically important because we're not just called to do the right thing. We also have to have the right attitude and motivation. That's where it gets a little sticky, right? Because there are many things that I can do that aren't squarely founded in the person that I am and what my actual motives are. And read this with me. Romans uh, 12, one and two. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Man, there's a whole lot going on there. But I want to take really special care to notice what's happening right at the top. And it says, by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. This is really easy to miss, but man, it is so critical and so core to what we'll be talking about today and everything that revolves around in chapter 12. What Paul is telling us is that everything is based on the idea that it all begins with the mercy that has been shown to us. We can love because we were first loved. We can show mercy because we were first shown mercy. Read this with me in 1 John. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For if he does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. It's easy for us to forget that we were once a stranger to God without any hope, that we were lost and wandering and completely broken and completely undeserving of the divine affection and honor that has been given to us, but yet here we are. 
Paul gives us further hints and, and uh, clarifies this question of love and honor in uh, Philippians 2 when he says this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourself, which is yours in Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. You talk about honor. Our God stepped out of space and time to put on the same flesh that you and I carry around. What a great honor. This is the beginning of helping us understand like how we can become the kind of person that shows affection and honor. Like this is the seed of that whole thing and it's, it's wrapped up in humility. Humility is the key to understanding that we can count others more significant than ourselves because we too have been shown the mercy and grace and now we are required to show that mercy and grace to our brothers and sisters. See, it's only when we forget about that undeserving position that we started in that we begin to judge others and try to elevate our self-standing above the people who are around us. And this is the turn from really prioritizing other image bearers uh, as, as brother or sister in Christ and really valuing them as opposed to looking at what they can contribute, how they make me feel, how much money can they make us, right? What's my hopes, dreams, and desires for building a relationship with this person? And hey, look, I'm not saying that investing in people is a bad thing to do, but it is whenever it becomes uh, the end in itself. If, if the whole reason why we want to love people is this, we can cash out that relationship bank later in life, then it's, it's twisting what Paul is telling us here. And so if everything that we're called to do in this chapter is centered under the mercies of God, and again, let me remind you, rejoicing in hope, patient tribulation, constant in prayer, showing hospitality, blessing those who cursed you, not repaying evil with evil, we should be a mercy-molded people. Church, we have to be a mercy-molded church. We live by mercy. We are shaped by mercy. Even Jesus, whenever he was sending out his disciples in Matthew 10, he said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without payment. You receive without giving, give without payment. So the question is, how do we become this type of person? that loves with affection and outdoes in showing honor. And the simple answer, even though it's really, really hard to do, is we shake ourselves awake to realize the amazing mercy that God has lavished on us personally. Simply think, stop and think about what we have been gifted and sometimes how we respond to others, even though our gift has been so amazingly generous. Jesus became a servant and humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, Philippians tells us. 
Again, in verse three, Paul tells us this. For by grace given to me, I say everyone among you, do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. One of the ways that we do this, there are many in Romans 12, but one of the ways that we do this is is through love and honor. And Paul tells us in verse nine uh, what kind of love we should be expected to give. And that's authentic love, it's genuine love. He says this, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. Again, let love be genuine. Don't just pretend to do it. Love with all you are. One of the translations of this verse in the Amplified tells us this, and I love this translation. It says, love is to be sincere and active, the real thing without guile and hypocrisy. Folks, love is a verb. It's not a feeling. It's the things that we do. It's our actions. And I'll tell you right now, I am guilty of being a hypocrite. And so many times we give a less than genuine version of ourselves to the people who are around us. We present a make-believe sideshow for the sake of just saving face or our reputation. We are afraid of what others think about our true selves And oftentimes, it's even hard to believe or understand the mercy that's been shown to us, much less to apply that to someone else or to give it freely to someone else. Church, let's be a people who love each other and we're real about it. Let us be genuine. We have to have gospel-centered relationships where we can be both known and loved. And we see it time and time again where people plug into community they start to get known, and man, that gets really scary, and they run on to the next thing. I implore you, be a people who share your life, who share your burdens. Let us rejoice with you. Let us weep with you. That is what Paul is telling us to do. And man, one of the best places for us to do this is in community groups. You heard Ivy talk about it already today. So much of the care and the life of this church does not happen inside of these four walls. They happen in homes across the city, in three different counties around this building. We need these groups. You need these groups. It's more than just getting together and sharing a meal with friends. It's living our lives in gospel community where we can practice the exact thing that Paul is imploring us to do. Hey, let me tell you, the expectation is not that you're perfect at it. You won't be perfect at it. Nobody is perfect at it. The expectation is that you practice it, that we, we, get in, that we get in groups, that we have a fellowship of the saints, that we meet on the Lord's Day on Sunday morning, and we do this thing together. In prayer this morning, Pat reminded us, this was in my sermon notes, man, it's so good and it's so right, and that is that community is created. It is not found. Let me say that again. Community is created. It's not found. I mean, that puts a lot of weight back on your shoulders, and I'm sorry, but it's true. You are responsible for plugging in, making a gospel-centered community work by being present and living our lives together, by showing honor, and by loving each other. Uh, 
inside of gospel community. And hey, what a great time. Next week, shameless plug here, September the 10th, we are gonna have a Connect Sunday. And if you're not in a group, man, I'd really encourage you to hang after one of the services, meet our community group leaders, talk about what their group is doing, when they meet. It's like speed dating for community groups, okay? It's gonna be a great time, uh, wonderful, wonderful opportunity to get plugged in, okay? And whenever Paul says, let love be genuine, he's, he's calling us to remember. He's calling us to not forget the mercy shown to us and then using that mercy to springboard into other people and show them the same mercy that was shown to us. I mean, I run the risk for speaking for everyone here, so I'll just take a quick poll. Does anybody have it all figured out? No? Well, there's one in the back. I'm just kidding. Nobody raised their hand. Of course nobody has it figured out. Nobody has the market cornered. And that's the absolute beauty of what is being said here. That's the way that God designed the church. We need each other. We need this place. We need to gather in people's homes. We need to pray for each other. We need to worship together. We don't become all that we're supposed to be out all on our own and then come into the church with some sort of enlightenment and plop it down on the pulpit and say, I finally arrived. That's not the way that that works. We come into this place, all of us broken, all of us in need of a savior, all of us maybe even hurting deeply, and that's okay. You're in the right place. There are no perfect people here. As Christians, we should be marked by the way we love each other. We should be marked by the one another's. There should be a noticeable difference between us and everyone else by the way that we treat each other through our attitudes and actions. He also then talks about brotherly affection and honor. And what does it mean when Paul says in verse nine, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So what is brotherly affection? What is honor? Both of these words carry a lot of emotion. If I'm honest with you, they carry a lot of responsibility. And how does that look in relationships? And that's what Romans 12 is all about. That's what Paul is telling us, all of these things over and over again. Every time I hear this passage preached, there's some old guy who gets up there and starts talking about all the Greek words for love, and I'm not gonna do that to you today, all right? But what I do wanna talk about is what Paul is saying whenever he says, what does it mean by affection? What, is, what does he mean by honor? And with affection here, what he's saying is, we should be so comfortable with someone that you aren't the slightest bit self-conscious or worried about what they would think about the true you. Right? Don't have to run from it. Not worried about where the conversation will go, what you'll talk about. This is somebody who you can sit in complete silence with and be okay. He's also talking about family love with really deep roots. My dad uh, always used to say, right or wrong, I'm always on your side. That's family love. Now, that doesn't mean that he wouldn't tell me that he thought I was wrong, right? But... Right or wrong, I'm always on your side, no matter what. It's the kind of love that fights for you, tooth and nail, no questions asked, and would be deeply, deeply grieved if something happened to you, if you got sick, or you died, you had a huge disappointment, you didn't get the job, 
whatever it was. And then there's honor. Honor is different than affection or love. And let me tell you, it's possible to honor someone that you don't like at all. It's possible to show honor. And man, we are addicted to likes, and this is kind of the, uh, the product of us being in a social media world. And those formats have taught us to take photos and post status that really present a virtual truth or a false truth of who we are. And there's a huge difference between like and love, and it's another thing that's been a little bit distorted for us. And those are two separate things. I can love you and not like you, as weird as that sounds. And what we all want to be is liked, and sometimes we don't want to be loved, right? I wanna be able to hang out with you, I want you to think that I'm a good person, but whenever true love steps in and there's some correction or, man, I see this thing in your life that is eventually gonna kill you and I have to speak honestly about you, that is love. But many times people don't like it. And honor boils down to simply treating someone you value with respect. And you treat them with value in your words and your works, the things that you do and the things that you say. It's understanding that everyone is worthy of your service. Everyone is worth investing in. You might not think they're worthy, but we should still honor them. It's not about our opinion. Church, let's rejoice together in honoring each other because 1 Corinthians in chapter 12 tells us this, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. We'll skip down to verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Again, let's rejoice together. And the thing here is Paul's not asking us to choose love or honor or one over the other. He's telling us to do both. Our thoughts, words, actions, and deeds, he's telling us to love and honor. And here's the great thing. All of the other things in chapter 12, most of the other things in chapter 12 are hinged on those two things. Everything that he's telling us, we can point back to love and honor. Love genuinely and outdo one another in showing honor. And hey, I'm right with you. There are people in my life who are hard to love, like, and show honor. And probably even through our time today, those people have popped into your brain and you've thought, man, there's no way that I can honor that person. There's no way that I can like or love that person. And it's really important. Jesus tells us in Matthew 25, whenever he's talking about judgment and he says, I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was hungry and you fed me. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was sick and in prison and you came and visited me. And Jesus tells us, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of my brothers, 
you did it to me. You did it to me. Let's be a people that remembers that we were purchased with a price. Extreme mercy was given to us. And then we take that and we become a people, not on our own power, but that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, not by my own riches and glory, right? But we become a people that because extreme mercy was extended to us, we then become a people who share that same mercy, love, and honor with those around us. And hey, you guys are, are great at that. We hear stories all the time in our community about people who call this church home, who are doing hands and feet work in this community. It's amazing to see our community groups at work. It's amazing to see our members and regular attenders like sacrificing themselves. You know, a great example of that was the tornado relief that we had back in April where we had people from all over this church come together to love this city during a time when it was deeply hurting and broken. So again, let us be a people who share the same love and mercy that has been extended to us in a way that marks us as different from other people in this world. We love because we were first loved. Closing our time today, I wanna leave you with this scripture from Romans 15. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Would you pray with me? Father, again, we thank you that you have just absolutely brought us up from the pit that we were in. God, that we were nothing, that we deserved um, everything that we didn't get because you bore it all for us. I pray that we are a people who can reflect on the mercy that has so generously been laid upon us and then knowing that you are alive in us, we can then take that mercy and show it towards others in the way that we love and honor them. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.